0: Well, good morning, church family. Everyone doing good? Y'all enjoying this beautiful weather we're having this weekend? Ah, oh, amen. Can we get a hallelujah on that one? That's been fantastic. I can't wait to get out there today, and tomorrow's gonna be great too. Might be some of our last few good days before winter comes upon us or cold fall. Um, but this has been a, uh, a fun season uh, for Laura and I. Um, we find ourselves just really enjoying watching our children grow. Uh, Daisy's been in kindergarten her first year at school, and it's just, it's so fun. She's at that stage where she's like learning how to sound out letters. And so we're like looking at the words in a book, and she's just, she's just starting to get it. It's really fun to watch. Um, And also beyond school, she's been really maturing. We feel like she's really growing. We're just, we're so delighted to see how she's growing. Um, Even in terms of the games that we can play, um, (laughs) instead of playing Candyland, Candyland, we're now playing Catan Jr. Thank God. <laughs> it's a much better experience for the adults as well. It's been really fun. Um, and Levi is growing rapidly too. Um, a few days ago, I had in my sermon notes to tell you that he's been finally sleeping well through the night. Um, but I had to cut that out of my notes because the last couple nights <laughs> have not been great. But he's still, he's still growing. He's still growing and it's, it's really fun to watch him. As a father, it's, it's my delight. It's my delight. I love seeing my children grow and mature and develop. And I think in the same way, God our Father, he delights when his children grow. He delights to see us mature and develop and make progress in our Christian life. Now, and I think we have to get our minds around the fact that this is to, something that's supposed to happen our whole life long, no matter what age we are, because physically, physically, we tip, most people stop growing around age 20. You know, unless we, we might start growing this way, you know, that, that can happen after 20. Uh, but most of us stop around 20. Academically, most of us stop around in our, our 20s or so, maybe longer for those, those who have, you know, you're glutton for punishment, but most people stop around 20. Um, but spiritual growth is meant to be lifelong, our whole life with God. The Holy Spirit's intention is to sanctify us and to conform us to the image of Jesus, Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, his his first of his ninety-five theses, it reads: "Our Lord and Master Jesus Christ, when He said, repent, willed that the whole life of believers should be repentance. Our whole life, our whole life, should be one of continuing to repent. That means turning from what we were doing to following God, or to keep renewing our mind to change our mind to follow the ways of God." And I want to give you one more quote from Luther. He goes on to say this. This is probably my favorite Martin Luther quote. He said, This life is therefore not righteousness, but growth in righteousness. Not health, but healing. Not being, but becoming. Not rest, but exercise. We are not yet what we shall be, but we are growing toward it. The process is not yet finished but it is going on. This is not the end, but it is the road. All does not yet gleam in glory, but all is being purified. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the Christian life? God is always working towards our greater righteousness, our greater health in him, our greater purity from sin, our growth towards Christ. That's what the spiritual life is about. The Puritan John Bunyan, he wrote wrote a book called The Pilgrim's Progress. Traveling on the road, about making progress towards Christ. It's about progress on the journey. Even the Apostle Paul said, I forget what is behind, I'm straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm pressing on. I am pressing on. I'm forgetting what is behind. I'm running this race. I'm going to keep growing and keep going until he calls me home. Friends, to keep growing, we just keep walking towards Christ. I want to make a few points to you this morning about spiritual growth. And the first is this. God expects and intends for us to grow. God expects and he intends for us to grow. God, he expects progress, maturity, and fruit from our lives. Jesus said this in John 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Did you catch what Jesus said? My Father is ever at work pruning his disciples. So that they will be even more fruitful. God is intending and expecting and looking for your growth. Do you remember that weird story where Jesus curses the fig tree? And it says it wasn't quite the season for the figs, but it's a tree that had leaves on it. It looked like life was there. But when he examined the fig tree, there was no fruit. So he curses the fig tree. And this was really a parable about the judgment of the Jewish leadership, the religious leadership of that time, that they appeared to be spiritual. They appeared like there was life. They appeared like there was fruit. But when he examined it closely, there was no fruit. And that's why Jesus cursed the fig tree. You see, God expects our spiritual growth. And brothers and sisters, the more revelation we've had, the more, the more, the more, time that we've had to grow, the more resources that God has used to grow us, the more he expects. In Hebrews 5.12, it says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. I mean, to me, this is is a passage where it's it's a good check on our hearts. Consider how long you've walked with God. Consider how long you've known Christ. Consider how many sermons you've heard. How many books you've read. How much teaching you've received. If If you've walked with God for a long time, the Word of God teaches, by this time, you ought to be a teacher of somebody else. If you've been a disciple for a long time, by this time, you ought to be discipling somebody else. If you've been a follower for a long time, by this time, with all that God's given you, you ought to be a minister, a leader, someone producing fruit in the kingdom of God. God expects our growth because he's working hard for our growth. He intends our growth. In Ephesians 4, it says Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers so that they could do all the ministry and everyone else could sit back. No. (laughs) No, he gave them to grow the body into maturity. And he gave us brothers and sisters to mutually sharpen us in our faith. And more than that, God gave us the Holy Spirit, whose job is to counsel us, to teach us, to remind us and conform us to the image of Jesus his job is to make us holy. And if that wasn't enough beyond that, God gave us his word, which is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, like a gardener, the father is a gardener, Jesus says. He's planted the gospel of his son in our hearts. He waters, he builds, he weeds, he gives you all that you need. So, of course, he's he's looking for fruit. He's looking for the fruit. He expects it, he planned for it, he intends it, and he's working towards it in your life. So that's number one, God expects and intends for our growth. Number two is God grows us in obedience to his word and in conformity to Christ. God grows us in obedience to his word and in conformity to Christ. Now, I want to go to the passage that was read for this, this morning, Psalm 119, beginning in verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And y'all should know this well because we sing it basically every week. <laughs> this verse. And I love the imagery. It goes back to that Psalm 1, how the Psalter opened. We're on the path of righteousness, the path of spiritual growth, walking towards God. That is the path that we are choosing. And it's the word of God that lights the way upon the path. And if we're wondering about what next step God wants to take in our lives, the first place we need to look is in His Word. We need His light, we need His revelation, His commands, what He wants us to do. If, and if you look at this psalm, or this section of the psalm, just consider how much the writer loves and cherishes and wants to obey His Word, as Jonathan so beautifully demonstrated for us in the children's sermon. In verse 106, they say, I have taken, the writer says, I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. Verse 108, teach me your laws. 109, I will not forget your law. Verses 111 to 112, your statutes, they are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. As long as I'm on this road of life. As long as I'm on this journey, for however long God will have me here, my heart is set on following his word, on obeying his word to the very end. We want to do it, not just hear it. Now, there are lots of laws and commands and decrees in the Bible. How do, I know, how do we know what it looks like to align our lives with the word of God? Well, I would commend to you something that's very simple. You simply look at Jesus Christ. You look to Jesus. We fix our eyes on him. He is the embodiment of God's word. In fact, we were just talking about this in my confirmation class a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about what do we mean when we say the word of God? Now, on one hand, we have the written word of God, the Bible, but we also have what's called the living word, John 1. The, the word was in the beginning. Through him all things were made, right? So we have the living word, that's Jesus. And so you have to to understand that everything that was written is meant to point us and lead us towards Jesus Christ. He is the embodiment of God's word. It's the written word that points us to the living word, whose name is Jesus. So growing in obedience to God's word, it's the same thing as growing to be like Jesus. That's the exact same thing growing in obedience to God's word is growing to be like Jesus because his word points to Jesus. It's the same thing. So God's commands, they they reveal his character, they reveal his love, they reveal his heart and his glory. And nothing reveals those things better than Jesus. And not only that, Jesus is our example. He obeyed the Father in all things, even obeying him unto the plan of going to the cross for our salvation. So Jesus showed us a life of righteousness, a life of obedience unto God. He fulfilled the law and the prophets. So when we read this psalm, I think it's appropriate for us to think about both senses of the word of God. Yes, God's word, the Bible is a lamp unto my feet, but also Jesus is the living word. He is the light of the world. As I look to him, as I follow him, as I seek his will over my life, then I am giving, I'm given light for where God wants me to walk. So God expects our growth and the growth that he is seeking is to align our lives in obedience to his commands, which is the same thing as looking like Jesus. To keep growing, we just keep walking towards Christ. Number three, God calls us to make every effort in our spiritual growth. God calls us to make every effort in our spiritual growth. And God calls us to this because he is making every effort to grow us. He is making every effort to grow us. We've already mentioned how much he's done for us. Like a good parent, he's provided everything we need for our flourishing so we can grow. And also, like a good and healthy parent, God is not an enabler. He does not coerce. He does not force. He wants your cooperative obedience to his commands. And this is the point the Apostle Peter makes. In Second Peter, he writes, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great And precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Friends, This is an incredible verse. God's power, God's divine power has given you everything you need, everything you need for a godly life in Christ. And we can't skip over the fact that we get to participate. We, humanity, us, sinful humanity, we get to participate in the divine nature? This should blow our minds. The divine nature, the power that created the cosmos, we get to participate in that? This is incredible. His power has given us everything we need. But sometimes we get stuck in a lie. We get stuck in all kinds of lies. That's how Satan works. Sometimes we might believe, yep, you know, I'm not gonna grow anymore. I'll never grow. I'll never grow past this. You'll believe you might believe I'm never gonna get victory over this. I'm always gonna be stuck where I'm at. And maybe you've been where you're at for a long time and you just think I'm never gonna move past this. I'm always gonna be stuck here. Friends, don't believe Satan's lie. That is a lie. You are not stuck. You are not defeated. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. You have everything you need right now for a life of godliness. The prison door is unlocked. You can just walk right out in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! Even with what you're going through right now, God's given you his spirit to overcome. You know, when I was a cross-country runner in high school, many, many pounds ago, when it came time for the, the postseason season meets, uh, the conference finals and sectionals, uh, you know the team would have a little bit of anxiety, we'd have a little bit of worry. You know, we'd get nervous before the races and, and uh, our coach would always say to us, don't worry, the hay is already in the barn. Which is kind of a weird expression, but it made sense in rural Indiana. <laughs> but it means that the hard work's already been done. You've already done the preparations. The hay is already in the barn. You've already stored it up. All you have to go do now is go enjoy, go race, go out there and give your best. You don't have to worry. And our coach could say that because he prepared us very carefully. He invested his time and his resources into making sure that we had a good plan, that we trained all summer. We had great practices. We had we a had great strategy. He, he, he tr- kept track of what we ate. He made sure we drank enough water. I mean, it was, it was a lot of preparation. It was probably too much. But he wanted to ensure our success. And so he could say at the end of the season, the haze in the barn, you don't have to worry. All you have to do is go out and run. You just got to do it. And the same is true in the spiritual life. God has done everything for you. He's done it all. This is not about earning anything. God has just already freed you. He's rescued you from the kingdom of darkness. He's opened your eyes to what is true. He's died on the cross for your sins. He was raised for your justification. He's filled you with his Holy Spirit. He's given you his word. He's given you the church, brothers and sisters who will help you grow. Now all you have to do is just go out there and do it. God's done it all. The hay's in the barn. You just got to go run. He's freed you to do this. And that's why Peter says in this very same passage, for this very reason, because God's done it all, because God saved you, you, for that reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because God's done it all. Make every effort. Make every effort to add to your faith these things These qualities, in increasing measure, are whole lifelong. But you might say, you know, Pastor Nate, this this feels overwhelming. There's so many things. I'm such a sinner. I have so many things I need to work on. Where do I start? Well, that's why I would give you my fourth point here. God grows us step by step according to our own journey. God grows us step by step according to our own journey. Now, let me frame the broader picture. We've talked about how there is one road of righteousness. There's the the way of the wicked, the way of the righteous. Jesus calls it the narrow road. There is one road. There's one word of God. There's one Jesus we're striving to be after. So there's one path we're kind of all on. However, we're all at different points on that path. And we all have our own different personalities We're all tempted in different ways that aren't the same from one to another. We all carry different baggage on this road because of our life history and experience. We carry different gifts or equipment with us. Uh, Someone just starting out needs something different who's been on the road a long time. So the psalmist says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. A couple things I notice about this the word is a lamp. This is not a spotlight. This is not a bright, modern flashlight. This is a small little personal lamp that you carry with you that just lights in front of your feet. It's just enough light for you to see where you have to go next. Okay, so, the, so this, this connotates the idea that we keep looking to God and his word for a constant direction, for guidance, for revelation about what we should do and how he wants us to grow. And I would suggest that this really happens daily. As Jesus said, we take up our cross, we follow Him every day. And but also notice that in the the psalm, the psalmist says it's it's a light for for my feet and for my path. You see, God is concerned with you. God is concerned with where you're at on your personal journey. So don't worry about how you compare to any further behind. No, we stop all that comparison. And we say, God, what step do you want me to take? Where are you calling me? So the question for yourself is, where are you? Where are you on this journey towards Christ? What does God have for you next? What step is he calling you to take? The great devotional writer Oswald Chambers said, Every Christian must experience the essence of the incarnation by bringing the next step down into the flesh and blood reality and by working it out with their hands. You got to take the next step God's calling you to and make it a reality that's practical and concrete. So, Friends, here's my very simple discipleship question for you this week. What next step is God calling you to take and how are you going to take it? If you want a very basic definition of discipleship, it's probably this question. What's God calling you to do where is God calling you into obedience? Where is God calling you in mission? And what are you going to do about it? What step are you going to take? That's how we practically grow and follow Jesus. So how will you know the answer to this question? How do we know what next step God has for us? Well, we can't get into all of that right now, but if you've been paying attention to this series, just think about all the things we've talked about. We find God speaking to us through many means, through time in his word, time in prayer being aware of his presence the whole day long, thinking about the opportunities he gives us to serve and to witness and for mission. We think about what does God want us to do with the things he's given us, our stewardship, our money, our gifts, our talents. What next step might God have for us in these things? And as we spend time maybe in vulnerable relationships, relationships where we're opening to each other, revelation can come about what God would have us to do. But honestly, friends, you know what the best thing probably is? It's just to simply ask God. Just simply ask God and pray for revelation. Lord, what's my next step? And listen for what he might say. Be prepared to respond and then be prepared to act. Can we do that, friends? All right, amen.